This is the Frontier Podcast, powered by Gun.io, the engineer's choice for engineering talent. If you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe, and follow us on Twitter at The Frontier Pod. Ryan Yaki has accrued an invaluable resume after over 15 years of working with a wide variety of cutting-edge companies. A self-taught dev, Ryan founded his own art business, DNA Imprints, in 2006 and currently works as Director of Engineering at FabFitFun, an innovative firm that dispatches boxes packed with health-related goodies to mostly female clients. Ryan has always been at the epicenter of commerce, sales, and connecting with customers throughout his career, and he shares with The Ledge his ideas on how this works in the contemporary climate. Don't miss this inside view into the subscription box business with a healthy dose of tech. Ryan, it's good to have you on, man. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for having me, Ledge. It's it's a pleasure to be here. Very cool. So if you don't mind, uh, give a little little bio of your yourself. And I am deeply familiar with your LinkedIn profile now, having having stalked you relentlessly before this episode. But uh, for those who don't know, you know, why don't you give a little uh, background story of, of yourself, your work, and where you're at these days? Yeah, yeah. My work history is long and arduous, but uh, software de- self-taught software developer from the age of 15 on and uh, made my way into sort of doing my own startup a long time ago in the DNA art field, which was super crazy, weird, and unique. Um, ended up selling that off and then went off to uh, go start in the startup world here in the Bay Area and made my way through various educational startups and then found my way into the health tech field. Uh, worked in a couple of different health tech startups and then eventually uh, found my way over here into FabFitFun where I'm at now and uh, loving life there. I had to look up FabFitFun. I'm not I'm not as hip as the people in the office. So, you know, uh, for those who don't know and uh, maybe are looking for a, a good gift opportunity, what is FabFitFun? Well, as the, uh, you know, consummate salesperson for FabFitFun these right. days, uh, uh, it's a, uh, a seasonal subscription box for generally for the female population. And we, uh, we deliver a box mostly customized, but we offer, you know, six regular items in there that can be cosmetics, um, jewelry, clothing, fitness gear. So it follows that fabulous fitness mm-hmm. and fun, fab fit fun. And, uh, and then occasionally throughout the year, we also offer different little uh, editors boxes and specials and coupons. So it's a kind of an all encompassing package there. Yeah. Once I looked this up, like I could totally see like this is wildly popular. I'm certain because I mean, it looks like uh, an awesome pack of like goodness that you get every season and it, it you know and it looks like okay you know full sample or not sample size but rather full product and you know all this cool stuff i'm like i could totally see investing in this for uh making myself more interesting at home so you know yeah we've only just started testing the uh the mailbox as well so they started working on the, the men's version so you can have your own. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, it's the, you know, tip the same idea though. Right. And, yeah. uh, but the full size product is something that was, I think, unique to the business when it started. And yeah. uh, it was something not many other people were doing. Now we've also been around for 10 years and shipping boxes for five. So as mm-hmm. a business, it's, um, it's, they've had the time to go figure it out and learn and build on it. And right. Grow, and and just do it right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm, and, the box thing became, you know, this sort of like uber insane craze that, you know, everybody had to ship a box full of something and, you know, you 
knew there had to be some kind of shake out there. Uh, oh yeah. So, you know, that's and 10 years, 10 years is a long time. I mean, you're not a startup anymore. No, so, no. Um, We've yeah. crested the million customer point at this point, million recurring customers, as yeah. well as uh, the, you know, the big investments, you know, we just closed the round with Kleiner Perkins, I believe mm. like three, four months ago, I might be shaky on the time. But um, so we just get to spend it, right? You don't need yeah, to worry about when it closed, right? Kind of pretty much. Yeah. You know, we just spend <laughs> the money now. That's my job. Find more developers to spend money with. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. So, okay. So we talked a little bit off mic, you know, um, you're talking to 20,000 engineers and CTOs and everybody, you know, share, share the best practices here. You had to build the building grown engineering team. All yeah. over the world. So what's it look like? Yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting to come in where I came in because all three of my projects that I'm, I'm responsible for with this company are all brand new to the company. Um, okay. So I had kind of a nice sort of fresh starting point aside from everything else they've been doing. Um, when you look at FabFitFun as a, as a web app, it's actually fairly like old and it, it was built kind of in a brittle sense. So what I've had to come in and do is find an engineering team that can work in the old and help build some of the new at the same time. No um, so we've, we've had to instill sort of some newer, you know, best practices being that they've, they have to be comfortable dealing with the slower methodical old process. Cause we're trying to deliver to a million consumers on a regular basis. Sure. As well as sort of rebuild this train while it's running and, you know, make it a Ferrari by the end of it. Yeah. I mean, and, and that is, I think that's a thing that people, everybody knows about technical debt. Yeah. But what you often fail to think about is that like success is a breeder and multiplier of technical debt because yeah. just having had built and made money and grown a thing for 10 years, you know, you're five cycles down in, in technology. I mean, this stuff turns over every two years. Whatever you would choose to do now will be irrelevant-ish in a couple of years. And so you're, you're talking about two times five to get to, to 10 years. So you really, you know, in, in tech world there, you're dealing with some ancient stuff. Like what were we developing in, in 2010 or what have you? Yeah, it, was, it was not fun. Well, yeah, it was fun right. at the time. Yeah, I'm and sure. you look at stuff, and you got to like our, our predecessors made great choices with what they had, and now how do we you know continue to migrate and uh, a million customers, right? So you have to migrate um, very carefully. <laughs> you know, you have major major impact for every decision that you make. You know, that's that's pretty uh, massive scale. You must have like tremendous variability and spikes, I guess, in, um, in traffic because of that that Absolutely. seasonality. So how yeah. do you is that a big part of the planning and roadmap cycle? Yeah, it's a huge piece of what we deal with. Um, luckily, most of my team's work initially didn't have a direct uh, correlation to it, but now as mm -hmm. we've released, so one of my components being a mobile app, mm -hmm. um, we're, we're about to start letting people actually purchase and deal with you know uh, the endpoint of everything. Um, so we are dealing with the seasonality of things too. So we have clearly four seasons that we deal with. We deal with that you know, spring, summer, fall, winter is what we call them internally. And, and there must uh, be like a huge holiday rush too at different, I mean, Mother's Day and oh, yeah. uh, Christmas and, you know, all these things must be just like, exactly. boom. Yeah, we we opened up our sales on the 26th of December this last time. And so that was, uh, you know, just mayhem um, as it 
can't be said, but I've been lucky enough to be in the company at a point where they had sort of worked through some of the short, the really, really tough times. But we've, you know, like with any place you have downtime, you have problems that arise when you have a million customers trying to come use this product. It's like the click of death, you know, like everybody at the same time, you can't spread it out. Uh, yeah, we get a little bit of spread because we try to cater to sort of our VIP customers and what we call select right. customers through the process. And so they have, they it can spread it just a little bit, but the curve is minor in that. So we start- Your ops team just must be like, oh man, we're staying up all night this week. <laughs> pretty much. We have sort of a, an early kind of all hands on deck for the first 24 hours of a big sale. And then things really start to turn into, um, you know, a- the billing cycle piece is the next big one because we bill everything yeah. all at the same time. And so the the billing cycle really does turn into a really long, arduous process. Um, and billing a million consumers all at the same time is not pleasurable, I guess. On the other hand, your payment processor totally loves you. So. Oh, they're, they're <laughs> big fans. <laughs> yeah, so you did the mobile. Yeah. I mean, and you have the TV component too i don't know how new that is but i mean that's you know a totally different uh, infrastructure challenge for you know streaming video nonstop. yeah uh, what's what's that look like yeah so when i came on to the company um in october of last year i they had only just started working with live tv programming so they really want to get into live you know take advantage right. of the twitch consumer base the mm-hmm. Not necessarily Twitch for this audience, but the same concept. Understood, yeah. Uh, and so take advantage of this new live innovation that everybody's doing. So we've, they had a, being that the company's based in Beverly Hills, LA is that center for all things TV, all things production in terms of TV production. So they have a really sophisticated, or we have a really sophisticated TV production setup internally. And um, we wanted to take that and turn it into sort of an experience across all possible endpoints that we could get it out to. So a lot of it initially was redeveloping and finding a partner we could work with. And that vetting process certainly Mm -hmm. took a while. But finding a partner that worked with us that was cost effective and can sort of handle the, the big load. And we ended up on JW Player, which... They get a you know free plug on this. Um, I'm sure they'll love that. But you know they've been around forever, um, so we know we can trust them. I've used them in the past, um, and so developing against that, and then being able to start releasing programming on that. So we work with all sorts of celebrities, you know, across the yeah. board. Being that we're based in Beverly Hills, that's pretty easy to pull in some some new talent and that's sort of do you the, get to star in the videos yourself yeah. no i haven't been in one yet i've been there while they're <laughs> recording them but i haven't been in one um i've watched them record a bunch of fitness videos and things and it's impressive to see um, that's quite a production yeah. yeah i mean it's a full studio system that we have in our office um yeah and going from there it's uh you know delivering it to all of those end consumers it's a much smaller base uh, because it's a new product, but we've sure. only just released all of our um, OTT apps, so Apple TV, all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. has just been released. So if anybody out there wants to go watch that and check it out, um, it's pretty basic. It's what you would expect, but the experience needs to be very, you know. And you, I mean, assume like it's live, but you can do on demand for whatever you're particularly into, and there's all different you know stuff. So I mean, are you yeah. running all the time live, like twenty four seven? We're getting to that point. At some wow. point, we'll have full 24-7 programming, basically a TV channel. 
like what we're accustomed to from back in the day, we're working yeah. at that point. Um, but right. having true live programming is the yeah. uh, is the next big step, the big leap. Because we do it pretty well right now, but we mm -hmm. currently are only streaming out to Facebook, I believe, to start. Okay. And, um, so what we're going to do is bring it all in-house, put it all inside of the... The full web app experience, and then yeah, start and on your on your mobile and everything, so yeah. people can watch at the gym and you know the whole exactly. thing. Right, so right. It's uh, yeah, it's coming together pretty quickly. You got a few things to do. Yeah, just a few. Yeah, <laughs> no big deal. And how does that fit with the whole? I mean, it's obviously like a brand extension, right? Into like you're clearly you know delivering a service to your your members that that correlates with what you're doing, you know, so I'm excited about getting the product, you know, in the mail and, you know, I'm a member, I feel like part of a tribe and now I need to, you know, I'm going to watch and, and get more fitness and wellness from the channel. And I mean, it's obviously like a great marketing hook. How does it all fit into the product, you know, and engineering road mapping then when you have like, it's just like a totally different paradigm. Um, can you, do you separate by team and like, you know, just so people only work on one thing? Pretty much. Yeah. So the structure of the, the internal engineering organization is very, um, very linear. Each one is very isolated. So we have just a TV production related team. So we're moving off of PHP and working into getting into Java as a sort of series of microservices underneath. And so there's whole pods, whole teams that are trying to, migrate us off of that and that's their whole job and focus right now and meanwhile trying to still deliver every season and run payments and all these other kinds of things yeah right so currently my teams handle those sort of individual verticals and then we try to slice into what product actually needs in terms of you know delivering for the marketing experience and we have this much 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 grander marketing plan you know in terms of the celebrities we work with and um, there's almost always a sponsor for some charity attached to each um, box that we deliver as well. So those boxes have, from a TV experience, a, uh, a you know an attached sort of video component to it. We go through a big live reveal, and they show off what's in the box, and it's this whole thing. Um, so we need to be able to. We had to deliver. Those of us who are old enough to watch our mom's shop on QVC, you know, yeah, right? <laughs> right. yeah. And I mean, that's something we would love to play with in the future too. Is creating that yeah. QVC component, um, right? Which I'm not sure anybody else is doing yet. So I don't know if it's super new or super out there. Famous last words from every entrepreneur: No one else Pretty is much. doing it. Right. No one else. <laughs> is doing it. Not that I know of. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I'll find it tomorrow just because I said that. Right on. And Java's an interesting choice you know and i hear that a lot actually now like especially it's interesting so like from the valley it seems like there's a lot of people kind of going hey this is the way to scale uh microservices and uh, it's not what would typically be your you know i think your normal gut reaction in in kind of startup world it's like oh we're all growing up and being enterprise now and going back to that thing that has worked at you know absolute mega scale, you know, flawlessly for, for a long time. You know, I learned Java in college, right? And so, you know, it's sort of like, whoa, that's old school. Um, is that surprising at all? Mm, a little bit, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, it's kind of what I've come to expect when I hear yeah. about microservices these days and the move. 
Yeah. Although I have, I mean, as with any engineering organization, you have engineers who are sort of on that bleeding edge of new stuff. Sure. So I've had a couple of sort of proof of concepts thrown in front of me for things like Elixir, which is yeah. what uh, WhatsApp and there's a couple other ones that I'm forgetting are built off of to run mm -hmm. programs at high scale and uh, in nice little microservices too. And it, it, it's actually incredibly impressive for the scale and speed that you can build that thing at. Um, but, you know, then again, how many people, how many engineers do you know out there that know how to develop in that language? Right. Well, it's people are making like massive investments into building their own um, technology education because they just, I don't know, I got, you know, high scale closure, you know, I mean, who does that, right? You have to get all the closure engineers, but it is incredibly successful, right? You know, if you, yeah. if you kind of get it, there's a lot of technology solutions that are designed to solve these problems, but don't have wide adoption. And, uh, you know, when you make that commitment as an engineering org, you have to take on the professional development of that as well. 100%. We also know that engineers love learning stuff, you know, so yeah. generally when you throw stuff in front of, engineers they, they want to learn it uh, but it, it is funny to me how certain things have you know sort of a technologies take on the personality of somebody that you maybe you know didn't like working with back in the day at like a consulting company so you go oh java you know because you remember like the bad times yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. but it, it, it's not a thing it doesn't take on like personality traits it it just solves a problem it's a tool set yeah yeah, that's exactly how I view it too. Um, you know, is the 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 standpoint I generally have is is this the the fastest way we can get this thing out the door and start testing right. the hypothesis? Yeah, and you have that build fast, deploy fast, yeah. um, continue to maintain in a productive fashion, and then does it perform? You know, right. so is it performant? And and I think all that is it. Some sometimes people focus too much on the, you know, one of those components, like yeah. well, we can build it really fast, but it's going to fall over. <laughs> right. Or, you know, that's the most performant thing. Oh, but nobody knows how to do it. So we're going to do the most performant thing poorly, slowly, exactly. you know, and that's, it's, it's, it's definitely painful. like a, a broader conversation, you know, when you're oh, doing yeah. that planning. Yeah. All of the engineering world gets stuck in this. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've, been in one of each of those arguments over the last <laughs> uh, 10 years probably yeah. and i've been i mean previous to this it was mostly ruby on rails world for the mm -hmm. most part for me and um, yeah. you know there's a there's a whole fanatical culture about how it's the greatest and the most performant and the fist will always be the greatest yeah, yeah. It'll always be the greatest. <laughs> unstoppable yeah. and there's a you know it's just what are you willing to invest in, in the, over the long term in terms of your team, the knowledge growth, the growth of the product, you know, is it going to be supported forever? I mean, PHP being the, the, the base of Facebook when it started was the of everything. Other, yeah, it was the only you other. Probably 80% of the web ran on PHP at one time or other. So. Still does. I mean, every yeah. almost 80% of all blogs are WordPress blogs. So. Yeah, and e-commerce is yeah. going to be your Magento and exactly. you know, sort of... Uh, WooCommerce. I mean, it's just, it's, it's still so viable. Yeah. And, uh, but you rely on that ops layer and hosting layer and all those things to make it, you know, scale out. I'm seeing tons of chatter now about .NET Core and how people oh, are, are making that insanely scalable and fast, you know, far on orders of magnitude better than some of the other stuff, because now you can containerize and, 
and mm-hmm. uh, and scale it, you know, out in the Linux and Kubernetes type world. That makes but, sense. You know, I think so much of that, but it is that interesting convergence to, you know, hey, we all we grew up and we need to play enterprise now, and there's really only kind of a couple camps there that that are you know big league, and it's it's going to be your Java and .NET kind of world. That's those yeah. are the places where you're running billions of transactions per day. Yeah, and it is we have to pay backbone. attention to that. It's yeah. the backbone of so many websites these days that are hardened and ready to right. continual load forever and ever. Um, I mean, you just know. We know when you deploy it that it's going to work <laughs> out of the box. And Ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah, so yeah. I'm, you know, I can be comfortable in that thought. Luckily, my stuff is we get to play with the newer things with my teams, mm-hmm. uh, which makes them happy. Mm-hmm. And so they've, you know, we're in the React React Native world um, for the most part, and so that keeps them sort of engaged and having to learn some. That that's sort of the the other trade off on all of this, keeping people right. that they're fresh. On something. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that segmentation of front end moving a little bit more ahead into the the hot JavaScript, and your back end just needs to be solid. Yeah. And scalable, and I think that that seems to be how things will continue to go. And there's even movement of, you know, sort of, hey, how do we think about segmenting our front end into, you know, essentially front end microservices you know, using yeah. React. And, and I think that, that that will be a trend now because your front end is no longer just your web. It's, it's your, you know, like I said, OTT. It's going to be your mobile apps and many different screens, right? And so we are quickly seeing that you would then build infrastructure in a way that is, is far more segmented than you used to kind of just buckle down and do your native app on this thing and then your native app on this thing. But we're going to see this stuff available on, you know, watching it on your, on your, on your watch, on your oh yeah TV, laptop, phone, you know, it just goes on and on and on. It's impressive to see. I was talking to one of my developers this morning, actually, about another, you know, front end technology that's coming out there or that's starting to catch some attention, which is Flutter, the, mm-hmm. the Google um, front end component. But I have to agree, everything that I've seen is moving to this sort of front end heavy direction with, React-ish type JavaScript yeah. apps, right, running the world. There's Electron, which is the basis for desktop apps now, too. Mm-hmm. So they're delivering Atom.io, which is the IDE for almost you know 50% of all developers out there working in JavaScript or something to that effect. And that's built entirely in JavaScript. Um, right. JavaScript, HTML, and CSS, the basic stuff that everybody got started with in the web. So it's kind of interesting <laughs> to see that the vanilla basics of it's like all coming back around to like back to basics, which is the same thing, you know, like with the backend stuff. Yeah. So it's interesting. I mean, you talked about being a big, you know, fitness guy and, you know, consuming all different types of of stuff. Do you gather a lot of, um, yeah, just you and working with the product folks, you know, it's like being in the space, you gather a lot of influence and ideas from, like this is just so massive now, like online wellness and fitness. And, and it's just such a totally different world. Mm-hmm. I do um, the director of, um, you know, DevOps for uh, Beachbody, oh, yeah. you know, and I, and I was just thinking like, wow, like delivering P90X to like everyone, you know? Um, oh yeah. I work with one of their, um, their former data ops guys. Yeah. And so he works at FabFitFun with me. He was telling mm-hmm. me a bunch of interesting stories about the Beachbody days. 
And uh, I have to, yeah, I, I agree. I've been in two companies now that deal with the health and wellness space. So Habit, uh, mm-hmm. which is now a defunct company, but we did uh, blood and DNA testing to gather your nutritional profile, which is very forward thinking, I would say, yeah. for most places, um, albeit, you know, a crowded space now. And then um, previous to that, I worked at a company called Athos, which did um, EKG testing on mm. body wearables to then give you um, muscle output into wow. a mobile app. And so they've, you know, since gone to more of an elite athlete, sort of working with teams and sports. Mm-hmm. So it, having been in sort of a wearables as well as a testing space, but all based in an online experience, um, I ha- yeah, I've seen so many changes, both from my own experiences in that industry, as well as watching the rest of the industry. Like as a consumer. Yeah. yeah just, and I mean, um, anything, I, I must have 10 different wearables in my house, but <laughs> I, always, I always go back to like my Apple watch as a, as my fallback lately. Okay. Okay. Well, um, Apple's happy to hear that. Yeah. yeah I'm sure they'll love that. Um, but I, <laughs> I do know some people on that team too, and they've, um, they do have some interesting tech and, you know, they've really grown the apps up to gather more information quickly. So things that, that matter. Put your futurist hat on, like what's going to happen in this space now? Oh man. Well, more data will be the, the thing. I think they're going to try and find new ways to get new pieces of data out of you. So, you know, we can get heart rate. We know that. Um, but how can we get things like your diabetic measurements on a regular basis? We have a massive population in the United States that is, you know, running at a diabetic rate right now, or, you know, sort of pre-diabetic. Pre-diabetic is huge. It's massive. There's probably, uh, I can't remember the number. It's probably like 35 million people in the U S that are pre-diabetic wow. um, might even be greater than that. And I'm just throwing a number out there, but it's big. We'll fact so, check you. Yeah, fact. Yeah, run it against me. <laughs> um, it's, uh, but it's really so that population is the place where all finance and all money will really funnel to. I think sure. in the next like five, ten years because, because the downstream impact of the you know on, on the economy and uh, politics and like everything. I mean, it's so big, and I think everybody's going to realize that the preventative yeah. care is the only way to save us from sinking as a population. <laughs> You know, yeah, so, and you know we got to re-ingrain habits. So we'll see more. I think we'll see more pushes in the wellness space. That mental wellness yeah. effect. We've start, We've really started to see that with a lot of like meditation apps and things like that. And so, how do we gather data in terms of changing your habits to also influence you know improving your diabetic um, state? And I think there's going to be like a, it's interesting to me like the diversity and inclusion, right? Like we'll expand that into health and wellness. And, you know, I might look at a, if I'm somebody, I don't know, I'm not in shape, I'm kind of bad with myself, you know, like I'm not, I don't even feel in a spot where I can consume the really, you know, sort of great looking fitness model type of, of video, right? That's not me. Totally. And so like as companies, you know, like we'll reach out and kind of go in the same way, like, you know, maybe Dove, right, would, would say, hey, you know, these are normal looking people and we cater to them. Yeah. And that that coalescence, I think, is going to be a, a huge societal trend where it's like, hey, this stuff is for everybody. And, you know, we can't all do CrossFit yet. But, yeah. you know, let's let's support each other and get there. And I, I think those conversations haven't yet made it into, you know, you have your sort of elite athlete. Now you have your sort of 
prosumer type of uh, vibe, but you know, where's the stuff for everybody else where, you know, I'm going to feel pretty good about submitting my data that really is not good data, but I really yeah. want to take care of myself and, you know, yeah. where do I get that support system. So I couldn't agree more. It's, um, you know, the, you need to make it accessible for the broad majority mm-hmm. of people out there. Uh, CrossFit's doing that right now mm-hmm. in their space. They're really, they cut all their programs really internally, except for a couple in the CrossFit games competitive space. Cause that's really, yeah. really heading for so long, but now they've really refocused their attention into sort of the geriatric, um, yeah. the, the aging population. And so they've, mm-hmm. it's really interesting to see. I'm not sure what the, you know, the, the end result has been for them or if, if that's been a positive uptick or anything, but making it obtainable for the broad majority of people is really a very difficult thing because you don't want to shame people into mm-hmm. trying to get better. And, you know, I think that's sort of that culture right now. There's a lot of that. We still have that. People love to shame other people because you haven't worked out for so long. And um, <laughs> so it's like, you know, don't shame me, man. Come on. Yeah. It's, it's been a while. <laughs> you know i mean it's it's sad but it's also so true i mean there's so many people that do that and um celebrating more folks and getting encouraged and so then that bleeds into sort of behavioral sciences yeah um which i think is the other emerging piece there's whole teams dedicated to that inside of google and facebook and with with the thought process of how do we behaviorally get you to search more and yeah. we behaviorally get you to actually press that like button every day. But uh-huh. I think in the health and wellness space, we'll probably see a little bit more attention thrown that way as the money starts to you know, really show up. I think it's, it is a money game. Once people realize that if you behaviorally change people for the diabetic or some other you know, really uh, you know, ailing population, then you get a real big benefit. Well, and you have a fan for life if you help somebody. Absolutely. You know, I mean, really, if like you genuinely care about the value of that person's health and wellness, and they can associate your brand and your people and your effort with, you know, like, wow, that, you know, even saved my life or something, you know, I mean, that's, oh, yeah. that's a customer for life. And, yeah. and they're going to tell 20 of their friends, you we know, so it's very valuable. Uh, very cool, man. Very cool. I love that. All right. So before I let you go, I have some critically important questions for our lightning round. Lay it on me. All right. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars for me. Although I What are you reading? Trek. What am I reading right now? What are you reading um, right now? Yeah. Bill Walsh's book, the uh, the score takes care of itself. I actually have it in front of me. Nice, but nice. I probably read a book every 3 weeks, I'd say a oh, different man. book. So, I read Mac send Green. us the Yeah, send Mac us the full list. Green. Yeah, I'll, I'll send it out to you. Um, mostly <laughs> leadership books is where I'm at right yeah. now. But yeah, been there, been there. I've spent years in that too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Eventually, when they start to run together. Yeah, so. <laughs> I'm getting to the space where now I'm. I think I might go back into some mathematics books or something like that. <laughs> like read some. I'm on a, I'm on a secret spy novel, you know, sort of assassin, uh, CIA thing kick right now. But uh, I'm going to come back around. Yeah, I, if I was down that road, I would definitely go with like some Robert Ludlum, you know, some stuff mm-hmm. from Born the boring <laughs> trilogies or legacies and all of those exactly, things. Uh, exactly. I enjoy all those books too. <laughs> I fancy myself in the shadows. Nice. Um, what can you not live without? Uh, working out every day. I think that keeps me sane, keeps me like ready to, to handle the rest of my day. You look sane. Yeah. Yeah. I feel pretty good. <laughs> 
What's the last thing that you Googled for work? Um, Fastlane for uh, automated deployments for uh, React Native apps. All right. I don't know if you're a fan of The Office. I am. But there's there's a classic episode, maybe you've watched it, where Jim is messing with Dwight, as usual. Mm-hmm. And in this particular episode, he is sending him faxes from future Dwight. <laughs> yeah, it's one of my favorites. I love that. Okay. I'm and it in. made me think, love this episode. If I were to give you a piece of paper and one of those thick black Sharpies, and you could write yourself a note. And so right now you are future Ryan, and you can fax it back to yourself years ago. You know, what would you scrawl on that piece of paper? Mm, that's an excellent question. I probably would say stay consistent with whatever you're doing. Don't change from thing to thing to thing. Consistency kills everything, makes you successful in everything you're doing. Um, if I had to go monetary, it would be a totally different I mean, I could just say go play the Facebook game and like win and make millions of dollars, which, you know, there's always ways to do that. But, um, but yeah, consistency that wins everything. I, uh, I certainly have a habit of just trying everything like a jack Mm -hmm. of all trades, but if I stay consistent with something, it tends to work out pretty well. I wish you would send me that fax too. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Focus, you idiot. Yeah. Yeah. Just (laughs) pretty much. Awesome. Well, Ryan, you've been a good sport. Yeah. Totally appreciate the time together. This has been fun. And uh, we look forward to more um, developments from FabFitFun. Everybody go sign up for your uh, subscription box. And I look forward to the uh, the male version. So M-A-L-E. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely, man. I'll, uh, I'll find some codes and I'll send them your way, actually, so you can. Hey, uh, there you go. Ah, so this is the perks of the job. There you go. We'll appreciate yeah. you, man. Yeah, thanks for coming on. <laughs> Good for coming on. Good to be connected. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you enjoyed the show and want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to gun.io slash podcast to get in touch. And we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast, produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to Gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast, and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.